worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well, we've devised a test to put to rest your fears There's no need to panic if you lend us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show, then you're probably a nerd Sunday. You know what that means. It's a new episode of the It's Canon podcast. The only podcast where the hosts cry more than the actors and viewers of Sex in the City. I'm Boris, <laughs> and as always, I'm joined by Phil. Hello, everyone out there. Thanks for taking the time to join us today. Well, it's going to be a super packed show. Today we're going to be talking about NFTs and blockchain. What the hell is going on? What are they? Why should you care? Do you care? Well, we'll let you know and uh, hopefully you can make a decision. We're going to be talking about video game news. We're going to be talking about Bethesda and the exclusivity with Microsoft. We're going to be talking about GameStop because it's been a hell of a week there. In terms of streaming, we have a lot to cover. We're going to be talking about WWE Network and Peacock. We're going to be talking about the new NHL deal. We're going to be talking about Netflix and password sharing. We're going to be talking about Peacock losing money and the ever-growing battle of HBO Max versus Disney+. And then, if we have time, we're going to be talking about other random tech news. Ooh, tech-heavy episode. Yeah, very tech-heavy episode. Yep, very, 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 very tech heavy episode um so yeah. uh, that's a fun thing i like that i like i like the tech stuff i can't lie i like yeah, same it. here yeah and it, it, it's a fun time right now it seems like companies are catching up to demand or demand is diminishing a little bit so creativity is back in the marketplace instead of just flat out just trying to slam products onto the market to meet demand it's actually, so I always find that that's a good spot to be in. Yeah, I'm finding that it's actual innovation happening right now. Yeah, I don't know if it's feedback from everybody being at home and using products, but I was using a wired mouse, and it's really good. It, it's a Steel Series, whatever. And it, it's got the RGB and everything like that, but today I decided to go out and get a gaming, a fast gaming mouse that's wireless and just bare bones. Because the the... The one that I was using, the Steel Series, God bless them, they're a great company. I really like their products, but I just found the mouse was a little bit too wide for my hands, and that's one of the big drawbacks when you're shopping on Amazon and yep. watching like YouTube reviews. You don't really get to to customize the feel, or you know, God forbid, you know, I went up to the computer store and I I put my gloved hand on a mouse. <laughs> And the display mouse, and I'm like, oh, I gotta go like wash like four layers of skin off after this. Yeah, yeah. and I was just like, this fits my hand. This is a good mouse for me, and I bought it, and now I've got mouse hell until after this show when I get to tweak it. But yeah, tech stuff's fun. 
Yeah, it's it's always fun. Um, yeah, I'm a fan of basic mice as well. Like, I don't need anything fancy. I don't really game on my computer. So, you know, I just need to click, go forward and back. And even that, those buttons I don't give a crap about. So I have, like, bare bones minimum mouse as well. Um, and I like them a little smaller just so that it can fit in my yeah. hand. And, yes, we are That's... still talking about mice. Yeah, apparently there's, like, clutch grip and hump grip and all yep. these different things when I was researching. And I'm like, what the fuck? I just want it. You know, I do have a Logitech mouse that's like, you know, one of the ones that's contoured to your hand and it's nice and everything, but I just want something light and fast. Yep. Because the problem that when you're, when you're in 4k on all your screens and everything, mouse speed and DPI become a big deal. Oh, <laughs> like 100%. I understand what people in Photoshop and everything complain about now. I never did. I was like, a oh, fucking mouse is a mouse. Like. And now I'm like, oh, I got to go get the DPIs. <laughs> when it comes to, like, making fine edits, you got to make sure that, like, your mouse yeah. is right on point or else you're fucked. And you're going to, you know, yep. be hitting Control Z all the time. Yep. And, you know, it, it's really bad with presentations and stuff when you do share screens. And you're looking like an idiot with the mouse, and <laughs> it's like, yeah. no, there's too much peer pressure on this. I'm in yeah. IT. I got to. It's funny because like it. I, re I've always worked remote from my teams. Um, even when I was at BlackBerry, I always worked remote from where the core of my team was. So I've been doing kind of like remote work, WebEx, whatever, Skype meetings, and now that's turned into Zoom and Teams um, as the <laughs> preferences. So, like, I'm used to this, but it's kind of funny kind of seeing how people have adapted and now care about, you know, your remote workers. And people realize that it's not as easy as, as, as you think. Yeah, and I I would imagine for the tech companies, that's just an absolutely massive um, feedback loop that they're now on. Because I think the average consumer, I think there's stuff, the more tech you get, the more you accept the failings of certain products because you just go, Oh, that's a limitation. Or I understand that. And uh, well, I've tried something else and it did the same thing. So this is how it is. But I think regular consumers go out, they use it and then they demand better. Yeah. And I know sometimes the tech people will too. I'm not trying to say we don't, but I think I'm guilty of settling, put it that way. I'm guilty of, Oh, well shit. That's the way it is. Yep. <laughs> Let's oh, no. move forward. Tech people are the worst at that sometimes. Change is not something the tech people do well with, funny or not. Funny enough, as that sounds, yeah. I should say. Um, exactly. But yeah, yeah, we have a freaking busy week, and it's um, it's been a busy week. Let's see. What have I done this week? I've been working tons. Uh, been busy with the wrestling show, so that's been a lot of fun. Um you know, sometimes when I can share stories between shows, I know that uh, it's going to be a good week because that's uh, like 10 minutes less prep than what I normally <laughs> do. So that's a, that's a win for me. Um, but yeah, it's like, you know, I find that prepping for this show is just taking longer and longer. And I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, you know, um, it's, it's, it's part oh. for course. There's, there's a lot that we cover, right? It's pretty broad. Um, and I know your wrestling stuff is too. Like I, I know that wrestling is its own deep well, and it's a passion of yours. So that that's good. And I know this is a passion thing too. But we do cover a lot from tech to pop culture to geekdom to all that stuff. It is overwhelming. Like this week, I know for shows, I really went in hard on Pacific Rim, The Black. Yeah. Like 
all seven episodes one night, which I mentioned with uh, with Brad and, uh, and you. Um, so that was surprisingly, uh, it does a much better job of explaining the universe of Pacific Rim than Pacific Rim the movie does. Yeah. It, it builds exponentially on the stuff that's that's presented there and it gives you the complications of the tech and whatnot and the and the dilemmas, which I thought was just fabulous. Yeah. And it's still anime, right? It's still kind of animated fun. But, but you know, it, it's it, kind honestly, of proof of your th- of what we've talked about many times in terms of world building, right? I seem that like yeah. we as consumers, especially to these um these types of sci-fi shows you know we really want to be immersed in the world and it's all about world building so you know it's a lot easier to get a built world in you know seven eight nine ten episodes as opposed to two hour movie so you know i can see that why this format is becoming a lot more popular and this is something that we talked about on our wandavision review with brad in regards to kind of like why wandavision especially just worked in the format that it is with those characters that they were because we were able to really get deep in the um you know and while it was a a risk for disney to give the first show to wanda and vision two characters who are completely side characters in the movies right um to give them the yeah. opportunity to really flourish and grow and i know a lot of people are now like really high on their characters and their characterization and don't want to know what's next right so it's i think it was just brilliant yeah. on disney's part and it's because you can get immersed you can explain things you can really get into the world and see things from the creator's point of view yeah and disney didn't miss a beat remember how i was saying about Friday. Well, I logged into Disney Plus on Friday, and here's a, a retrospective um, interview and how they made it of WandaVision called Assembled, yep. which was just absolute gold. It was awesome. And really explained. Yeah, I, and, and like next week we go into Falcon and Winter Soldier, and that was supposed to be before WandaVision. Everything was supposed to kick off with Falcon and Winter Soldier. And then they, they did this with WandaVision. So you could see the pre-COVID days and the shooting when they had the live studio audience and, and whatnot. So it's interesting to see how it's ordering out and how that's going to impact on Disney's movie layout and everything going forward. Because obviously plans have changed. And I think as much as geeks don't like change, um, Disney likes it even less. So they're rolling with these punches and, and making a lot of creative and good choices like you say with wandavision yeah that assembled show i watched it last night like at one in the morning and i was just enthralled with it It was so freaking good um it's just an hour long and it goes through the entire series kind of you know their motivations what it's really about you know um how they had to kind of think like a sitcom for especially the first few episodes right and you know it's i kind of appreciate it even more because they were taking into consideration things that we as the viewer would never even notice care about or whatever to the point where the lighting was 50s inspired like the lighting on the set you know the chairs for the live studio audience everyone in the crew was dressed like they were in the 50s and 60s like that's brilliant yeah it was really a period piece and they even consulted with dick van dyke yeah right so that's I know Brad was talking about the cinematography of it all, and apparently, like, Dick Van Dyke was just like, this is how you shoot this shit. You know, he he got in there and got down and dirty with it, which is why that set 
was so Dick Van Dyke, and and they paid him homage in the in the in the WandaVision in the later episodes to show where Wanda was getting her fascination for that genre. Yeah. And I think, but yeah, I think Elizabeth sorry. Olsen said it best when she said it was a real love letter to American television. Right, mm-hmm. American television is seen everywhere in the world. Everyone watches American TV. You know, it, it's something that just gets consumed because it has the most budget. It has the most appearance. It has the most value. Like, it's just something that gets distributed around the world. Regardless of where you are, you know a lot of American TV shows, especially back in that era, right? Like, it was... Yep. You may not have gotten them in the 50s or 60s. You know, you may have gotten them in the 70s or 80s, but they were distributed ever in the world. So, you know, paying a tribute and WandaVision, especially the earlier episodes, it being a love letter to um, American TV. It was really cool. Was, you know, and, if you haven't, we got you, that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, like we, we all walked away from that going like this is just absolutely um, uh, them honoring the tradition of TV. Yeah. Right. And And taking it to new places as... Brad and we discussed with the cinematography, the shots, the widescreen, the the letterbox. You know what I mean? Like they they really ran the gambit of that reproduction and ushering between the genres as well through the styles that they shot and whatnot. So good good on Disney. I gotta say, like I'm I'm really excited because this week we get Falcon Winter Soldier starts up, and um, I think I'm really looking forward to all st- all things Star Wars that's in the pipe too. Yeah, because um, this is really showing their commitment as a company to all of these properties. Exactly, right? it's huge. It's huge in the sense that you see, you know, where in the in the pecking order Disney Plus is, and it's number one right now. Yeah, like they're, the quality of those shows. Now, I will say, with like Pacific Rim, the Black, sometimes it's not good enough to just make an animated series like you were talking about, where. It's like the world building, right? Because we both walked away from the Transformers one. And I got to say, like, the second bit of the Transformers one came out. I watched half of the first episode, and I wasn't arsed to keep on going. I was just like, this is just crap. This is not good Transformers storytelling. Whereas Pacific Rim just reeled me right in. So it, it really does come down to the quality of that story. And how daring those people are to work with what's there and expand upon it. Like, I don't know how canonized it all is. I'm not really familiar with that universe beyond what I've seen on the movies and now on this show, but they're growing it in new and better ways. In my opinion, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see a second, third, fourth, fifth. I, I want to see a lot of this. Yep. Yep. Um, and speaking of canon and what's canon, what's not canon this week, the Snyder Cut comes out. Um, you yes. Know, we're going to watch it. We're going to talk about it, I'm sure. Um, early impressions seem to be on the positive side, so that's kind of refreshing to see. Um, but yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens. Like, I still have zero expectations. I still think it's a bad precedence to set. But here we are. It's going to happen. Um, you know, there's even credible rumors Rumor and innuendo coming up from the movie that Snyder is now considered and considering um, Justice League 2 and 3. There's also talk Good. of him replacing Patty Jenkins as the director for Wonder Woman 3. So, you know, very interesting stuff happening right now with the DCEU. And again, all rumors, but 
the people talking about this have gotten a lot of things right. So this isn't me just mm-hmm. spitballing bullshit I read. Um, you know, these are credible people talking about this. So again, until anything's confirmed, it's just going to stay on the rumor pile on the show. Um, but, you know, it's it's at least... it's. It's giving hope to the DCEU, which is something that was just lacking. You know, DC tried to just throw everything at the wall. They tried to build the world um, that the MCU had in just a few movies. That wasn't really possible. Um, And at the end of the day, the quality of the movies just weren't there, right? Like, it wasn't what... um, Audiences weren't able to connect to them in a way that they were able to connect to the MCU movies. Yeah, yeah. I like I was saying before, I, when Justice League was out on DVD or 4K or whatever, I was watching it and I was just like, I'm feeling this. I can get behind it. Then MCU drops like Infinity War. I was just like, oh fuck DC. Like from a casual viewer standpoint, it was like it was night and day. So it'd be good. It's good f- for competition. Like those are iconic superheroes. There's no way that anyone can say that they haven't grown up knowing about Flash or Superman or Batman or Wonder Woman. These are such iconic pieces of our childhood, regardless if you're a DC or MCU fan. And I want DC to succeed. I want to see DC put a viable product against Disney and make Disney question some of the things that they might do and vice versa. I think that that's the best spot for all consumers and all comic fans and all movie fans, right? If so If there's anything that I learned from a being a wrestling fan is that competition is always good competition Mm -hmm. always brings all sides up and the quality up and the overall product that we get as consumers goes up so you know it's all good as long as the shit's good yeah exactly now for the rest of my week it's the regular stuff the snowpiercer resident alien resident alien kicked ass again snowpiercer not so much But I'm going to suggest something for people out there who might not have watched something because I've been getting into it on my Disney Plus and Star, and that is The Orville. I saw this coming on on Fox, and it just was timed at a time that I wasn't able to watch it. And then I had a friend bugging me about it, saying how great it is, which made me want to stay away from it more just because of who he was. My friend was being a total douche about TV and whatnot, because so, I would make suggestions, and he would not watch them, clearly. So I was just, like, in this stubborn mode. And I finally let myself watch a few episodes, and goddamn, Seth MacFarlane does Star Trek better than Star Trek sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> like, honestly, I'm like, this show has legs for a comedy that is supposed to be a little bit like absurd family guy-ish, right? It's just like, um, I'm two or three episodes in and I'm sitting here going, this is better sci-fi than some sci-fi that's out there. Like, it it actually is making a convincing enough world for me to be able to buy into it. So good on them. I got to yep. say, I'm kind of shocked. Because it is better than I expected. I thought it would be a way more stupid slapsticky type thing. But yep. hey, there's some good sci-fi in there. I gotta say. Yep. But I'm accepting a Resident Alien as good sci-fi too. So. <laughs> yeah, I still haven't watched that. It's still on my like next up list. And then something else always comes up. Because my friend, she always tells me, hey, why don't you try this show? I'm like, okay, might as well. 
Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so this week it was re- uh, New Amsterdam. I've been watching a lot of that show. Mm. Um, it's actually Saw really that. fucking good. It's really really good. Um, it keeps on coming it's, up it's my not, Netflix. It's not just Boris good. It's good. Okay. <laughs> I, I might give it a try because it's it's becoming on my suggested list a little more and more from Netflix. So maybe it's time that I bite the bullet and take a look at it because I did watch a preview for it and I was like, oh, it could be all right. Yeah, so. it's fun. It's not like it it isn't too it, look. It's a drama. You're gonna get drama yeah, stuff. Yeah, but it's not yeah. like to the levels of Grey's Anatomy. It's not to the levels of Riverdale. Riverdale. Bullshit. Okay. <laughs> I love how that's our go-to like. Shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I started watching the one last night, and then I turned it off. I, I just didn't feel like getting into this heavy... The one know, or dating. the 100? No, the one. It's this new dating oh, thing. Oh, that on. one. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's trending, right? So I, I started looking at it, and it was playing a little too close to the to the trailer for me. And I just wasn't feeling it. I was like, ah, maybe I'll give this a try later on. I'll just yeah. put it, I'll watch a little bit of the first episode and see if I get in a mood to watch it. Cause it looks like there might be something interesting there. A uh, dark, or, uh, uh, what's the one black mirror or whatever. There might be something that's a little bit twisted yep. at this show, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's, there's something going on there. Right. In the cockles or the sub cockles of that show. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I think that's, that's a catch up, isn't it? Like like yeah, we both actually got stuff covered there. Yeah. Pretty good. All right. So let's get to the stuff because there's a lot to talk about this week. Um and you know, I think that I think we've been spending way too much time at home. People have way too much time. People have I don't know uh you know, it's 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 every week I feel like in the tech world or something, a new buzzword. And the buzzword of this week was <sighs> nft what is i'm gonna NFT? say something go ahead i specifically avoided this topic researching it and everything just to be surprised i think i caught a little bit of a whiff of it on the edge and i was just like i don't want to form an opinion yet because i want boris to tell me what it is because i saw your tweets and i'm like okay this is a challenge now i gotta stay away from the internet for a couple of days right and it's hard to it's not hard to explain but there's a lot of subtext and context that we have to think about in terms of the bigger picture and i really wish tyler was here because he would really be able to add a lot to the conversation because this is what he writes about <laughs> he writes about cryptocurrencies and stuff as one of his side gigs so um this is like right up his alley I was, so i was thinking if tyler was here i could tell you right now he would be defending it and i would be Probably poo-pooing on it, I, but I don't know what it is, but I think it's going to make old angry Phil angry. <laughs> Look, my brother and I were talking about this over text yesterday, and he's kind of like, depending on what his reaction is, I know how you're going to react because you guys yeah. are old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit worried. I, I, I think it has something to do with memes. <laughs> It could. That's all I know. It could. All right, so something NFT. got sold for some ridiculous price. <laughs> well, yeah, that goes without saying. What isn't ridiculous priced right now? Like people, for a world that is on the brink of economical collapse, we are spending way too much money on way too much <laughs> bullshit. 
<laughs> I agree. Like it's crazy. Um, all right. I know. And, and you can't keep a PS5 in stock. You can't get <laughs> Xbox Series X in stock. But yet, for some reason, on the news, people are lining up for food. I don't get it. <laughs> I'm not trying um, to say it's the same, but it just throws weird. this impression. Like, I, look, I know that. But I think that goes to show you kind of like, you know, you're either doing okay or you're fucking hurting right now, right? There's no in the middle yeah. right now. That's yeah, the, that's the no unfortunate middle. thing. Um, you know, we're not trying to make I just light of, of no. Of I just situation. don't. It's just I don't think of myself as making out like a bandit during all this, but I am. Like I'm lucky that my my livelihood and and my job uh, are, are able to pivot, and that's a great place to be. And you know, like I know a lot of people lost their jobs, and I and I don't mean to make light of that. And I know a lot of people, especially in service industries and whatnot, lost out, but. It just seems like there's a huge divide between the haves and the have-nots now. Yeah, and it's getting bigger and bigger, and that's, like, it's just crazy, but it's just, you know, but I look at the trends, and that's what I'm talking about more. But people, like, we're spending millions of dollars on fucking digital art right now. That's what an NFT really is going for, for. So, what is an NFT? What does it stand for? NFT stands for Non-Fungible Token. What the hell is a fungible? All right. Non- is that something you eat? Like, is there a candy cake out there called fungible? It sounds like, like something a, a you Twinkie? get when you, It sounds like something you get when you're with the wrong person. Yeah, I got the fungible. <laughs> <laughs> you see, Tyler would, like, stop us right now. And he'd say, come on, I guys. know. He He would actually define fungible. He would be like... <laughs> You know, like, I've never heard of this word. I kept right. on reading it, and I'm like, I don't know what it is. So, I knew you were going to ask that. You see, I, you Good. should see my notes for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so non-fungible more or less means that it's unique and can't be replaced with something else. For example, Bitcoin, fungible. You trade one mm. Bitcoin for another Bitcoin. You'll have the exact same thing. Um, a one-of-a-kind trading card, however, is non-fungible because if you traded it for a different card, you're going to have something completely different on the other side. Okay. Does that make sense so far? It does. So let's, for example... It's rare. Let, let's, let's pretend that um, I have the, the uh, uh, Pokemon Squirtle card, and okay. I give you that card. And in return, Geek. you give me an Ed Belfort <laughs> card, you know? So that's, that, that All makes right, good it, old Eddie. Didn't yeah, get drunk, it's one of a kind. So it's non-fungible. If I were to give you a Squirtle card, and you give me the exact same Squirtle card, that makes it non-fungible. So. No, hang on. They're fungible and non-fungible. Yeah. So what's what? If I feel like you just called both transactions non-fungible. No, I, I, I flat out said it's fungible. So okay, non-fungible okay. means um, it's unique, can't be replaced. Right. Fungible means it can be replaced. Like for like. Yeah. Right. All right. So that's okay. NFTs. That's the so, definition. At a very high level. I just level, didn't know like fungible was a word. It's it, a word. Did someone just make this up or it's is a word. it something that's been around? It's a word. Okay. It's a word. All right. Good. So at a high level. NFTs are part of the um, Ethereum blockchain. Now, 
What is a blockchain? Now we have to yes, dig please. a little, a little more. So, in the most simple of terms, a blockchain can be described as a data structure that holds transactional records while ensuring security. So, basically, it's a unique hmm. ledger of data. So, in order to write in this ledger, it takes a lot of computer work. It takes um, a computer to solve mathematical equations in order for you to write into this ledger. So there's a lot of Bitcoin uses this, right? Like blockchain stuff. Yep. That's where Bitcoin mining comes into change, into work, because people have computers and computers just for this, just so that it can solve these math problems. And the reason why it, it is these math mm. problems is because that's how it knows that it's an authentic transaction taking place. Interesting. So that's why GPUs are used over regular CPUs because GPUs are better at math. Correcto. Because graphics are math. Correcto. So that that's making a lot of things in my world make sense. Yep. Interesting. I, I, I've heard the word blockchain before. I knew it was related to, to crypto and Doge and... Yep. All, uh, the, so the NFTs stuff. are part of the Ethereum cryptocurrency. So it's like Bitcoin or Dogecoin, but it's blockchain um, and it supports NFTs, which store extra information that makes them work differently from, say, an ETH coin. Um, so other cryptocurrencies can implement their own NFTs. They already are. So this is already blowing up. Like cryptocurrency, there's so many. There, there's Bitcoin, yeah. there's Dogecoin, there's Ethereum. There's so many different types of cryptocurrency. It's absolutely insane. And everything is based off of the possibility of people buying these up, mining for it, making it more valuable. And then you can be worth what a Bitcoin is, which is, you know, what? 4550k for one bitcoin 4550k yeah and that's because there's only so much bitcoin out there yep correct there's a finite amount of bitcoin and that's what drives the economic price yes because is if someone's to... sitting on bitcoin then obviously guys like elon musk want you to get out of sitting on it because the more the currency gets into the world the more you can speculate on it and actually affect the price Bingo. And if you're now, sitting on it, then your money goes up. In order to create Bitcoin, it takes mining. And mining, like, you know, you're going to find arguments on both sides of the fence. But essentially, think of this. In order to solve mathematical formulas, it takes about 10 minutes to solve one. Um, and it, it, it that's just like for a part of writing into the ledger but for the entire thing it can take hours and hours and hours and days we're talking the equivalent of small countries worth of electricity for a bitcoin yeah because these cards give off a lot of heat and take up a lot of power yep. and oftentimes and what happens is on a bitcoin farm they're taking the cp they're taking the gpus and placing them pretty much outside of a computer in an air-cooled situation or a liquid-cooled situation where the cards are just sitting raw on shelves in like PCI component holders yep. and chained together in order to maximize the processing power. And there's all kinds of fake rumors that the PS5 
can do Bitcoin mining and stuff like this when it really can't. Well, it's it's not thing. able to do it like they do with these other thirty eight. A lot 30s. of new, um, uh, 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 like I guess malware that goes into that can go into your computer essentially connects your computer to a farm of computers mm. in order to do this computation. So if you ever wonder why your computer is running incredibly slow. It's because you might, might be have that. malware connected to a farm that is mining for Bitcoin. This is the new. Th this is the new thing. Ha! Well, my laptop doesn't have a GPU, so take that. Ha! Yep. <laughs> All right. So, going back to NFTs, are, are we are we on the same page for now? NFTs sure. are I, part I gotcha. of cryptocurrency. They're part of the blockchain. It's non fungible, which means that it's unique. And one of a kind. It's unique. It's like Elmo. It's unique. Yep. Now, what is interesting about NFTs is that if you realize when I talked about blockchain, I mentioned that it's essentially a ledger. So what information is added to this ledger? It is the specific owner of something. Now, what is mm. what can you own? NFTs can really be anything digital. Drawings, music, your brain downloaded and turned into an AI. It can be anything. Okay. Like memes. That's exactly it. So this is where you're probably seeing some of these things about memes and the Neancat and things like that. Um, yeah. Because a lot of the NFTs right now is using the tech to sell digital art. So people have actually been selling memes and tweets into the marketplace. So, um, so yeah, so where, where, where are we at right now? So, you know, there's GIFs that people have created that people have been selling. Um, it's been absolutely cre freaking insane. So uh, there's that Beeple video um there's the, earlier in the week there was a transaction of six uh the gucci ghost um you've probably seen that uh, gif of the gucci ghost it's <laughs> worth three thousand six hundred dollars um, wasn't there a cat one that sold for a lot of money this week yeah like a ridiculous amount the meow meow thing yeah, so the Beeple was auctioned off at Christie's and it ended up selling for $69 million, which is $15 million <laughs> more than Monet's painting. Um, <laughs> the Nymphius sold in 2014. Oh my gosh. Like, are you kidding me? For a yep. meme? The meow meow meme? Meow 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 meow. Well, the, the cat one meowing them, yep. thing? Yep. My goodness, that's the one that I heard on the news and I was like, what? Yeah. Okay. So a lot of people are it's jumping weird. on this right now. Um, you know what? I'm not angry about it. I'm not angry about it. Like, I, I I thought I might be, but it is legitimately art. It's just, it seems like it's overvalued. That's for sure. But somebody thing, right? with a couple billion dollars, like, what, 69 million? Yeah. So that they can own the kitty cats or whatever. Say, I don't know that it stops proliferating on the internet. I don't know that it becomes someone's copyright claim. But I guess they, 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 you know, sit down at the end of the day and put their head on a pillow that's really expensive and go, 
I own that. Like, yep. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know what the collector value is on it, but there's got to be something. It's like anything in the collector market. It is whatever peep someone will, it's worth whatever someone is willing to buy it for, right? So, and yep. these are basically digital collectibles. They can represent things like tweets, real estate, real world assets. But right now it's really in the digital world. Um, their value proposition is that they are digitally unique uh, they exist on a blockchain, and while anyone can copy and download the video clips or image files, an NFT has a record saying that it only has one owner. So, to be clear, you can still download the image, um, you can use the image, you can, you can repost the image, it. you can sell a tweet, but that tweet is still going to exist on Twitter. It's going to be visible to all, but technically, in the digital world, you are the owner of this so this is where copyright and all that fun stuff go into play right um dc for example yesterday or the day before they were saying listen nfts are cool but don't use our likeness don't use any of our copyright stuff on this digital art that you're selling with nfts right that's their property yep right so now i i fear my fear is this that it's going to change the meme world. Whereas you had companies like DC, Marvel, Disney, all these big companies running towards memes and saying there's no such thing as bad press. You know, when when Baby Yoda is proliferating all across the internet and they're merging it with songs and they're making it into a meme, Disney takes on, and Lucasfilm take on the attitude that, hey, this is driving interest or eyeballs towards our property the Mandalorian or Star Wars in general or whatever. So their adoption, like, and I think that largely embeds with Lucasfilms adopt, like had the same type of policy and it's kind of spread, right? Where they're saying, Hey, uh, it's good to be talked about. It's good to get this exposure. Don't fire up the legal department unless somebody's like trying to make money off of us. But if people are having fun and basically promoting our product, I think this starts to infringe upon the idea of letting that world exist yep. where they might say, Hey, guess what? We don't want this uh, being resold as a, as a, as a non-fungible item. So there are tons of questions about how NFTs might fit into existing copyright laws. Mike Shinoda, one of the founding musicians behind Lincoln Park told Input Magazine that there's nobody who's serious about NFTs who's really, who really humors the idea that what you're selling is the copyright or the master, meaning that the artist retains the copyright even as they sell some form of licensed content to buyers. So while musicians mm. or artists who create NFTs of their own artwork likely have an understanding of their rights, people can also mint NFTs of works they didn't create. Yeah. So and that's what DC are saying. Don't put our shit into your creation. And artists could because a lot of these memes have a soundtrack. And now, counterfeiting. So many NFTs represent real-world item, items, which raises the possibility that the link between a real-world item and the NFT representing can be broken. So this could happen. There is a possibility that, you know, your, you know whatever meme mm -hmm. that has an NFT, it is possible that the NFT connected to that meme gets broken and a second 
NFT is created. So a good example of this would be a meme that was really popular early on. The dude on the skateboard on TikTok. Yep. Right? And he's got the Fleetwood Mac song going. And he's just chilling, drinking his ocean spray. Yep. Right? Now, at what point, let's say that guy makes that into an NFT and says, ah, I'm going to sell this motherfucker, right? And he's just like, hey, guess what? The first guy pony up 100 million gets it. But then Fleetwood Mac says, ah, 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 that's our song. And then Ocean Spray goes, ah, 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 that's our image. Yep. That's our product. And now we're breaking that, right? Now we're going into, it's going to be litigated. Or if territory. that guy decides to sell it off to someone for 10 million bucks, then does his, his magic, creates or breaks the NFT um, bond, and creates a second NFT, you know, because mm. essentially what you're selling is a certificate of authenticity as you, the owner. It's easy right. for me to take a comic book, um, you know, and make fake certificates of authenticity. So this is possible with NFTs as well. And then, as you mentioned, there's the whole copyright stuff, um, but it is possible for you to NFT something that you technically don't own. You know, this is where it gets a little money. And then you have to think about securities and tax laws. So NFTs might run into securities laws. Um, this oh. seems a little less likely uh, than some of the other regulatory regimes, which way they interact with. If people buy an NFT on the expectation that it will rise in value, they might sue the creator if the NFT instead drops in value. Um, so it's kind of, you know, it, it all... it. I think it's similar in there that's lots of public demand, but the classic securities law, classic sanctions law, and classic commodities law will have to be reapplied. Wow. That's, wow. Yep. I don't, yeah, I'm scared for the world. <laughs> so as you can see, it's very It just seems like slope. lawyers win. It seems yeah, like a very slippery win. slope right now because you mentioned some very good things. Like, you know, what if people take, you know, our show, for example, um, and let's say Kevin, our theme song creator, says, I own that. I only allow you guys to use it, you know? So it's now yeah. the NFT around our episode might be into question because Kevin owns the song. And if Kevin owns a song and Kevin decides to NFT that song, it's really muddy waters yep. at that point. But... I think that what really ends up happening is that the episode, it's its own NFT. The song is its own NFT, but there's kind of like no licensing rights just yet, right? Yeah, it'll all come down to fair use and things like yep. that, right? What's demonstrable in a court and uh, and in the, in the world's pre purview. <laughs> yep. Man, oh man, that's, that's going to be messy. I can yep. see it getting really messy when there's a lot of money involved. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, let's not even talk about the, the is it this bad for the environment? You know, we plan on having a whole special on cryptocurrencies, blockchain, and whatnot in the, you know, in the somewhat near future where we're going to talk about all that. But today I really wanted to talk about NFTs, what they are, and the possibilities that it opens up. Scared. <laughs> I I know now. 
All right, so that is NFTs. And like I said, we kind of just touched the tip of the iceberg with this subject. There's so much more. Um, you know, I just did enough research to get us through today. Uh, but, you know, we will have a special on cryptocurrency and blockchains. And we're going to talk about environmental impacts, the positives and the negatives, the possibility of it being a positive in the big picture of things. We're going to be talking about, you know, more about mining. We're going to be talking about the value and the valuation. Um, and, you know, even when we talk about NFTs and their valuation, it comes down to perception, right? I can sell you a digital, you know, a, a selfie, call it digital art, and then, you know, It'll be worth whatever someone is willing to pay. So, you know, it's 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 kind of like art and the and, and, and yeah. art collecting. Yeah, it just it I, I guess it's just the evolution, right? It it's where the internet meets possession meets art. Yep, exactly. All right, so that is NFTs. I think we're going to be talking about Bethesda. Um, Microsoft oh. officially owns them. Yeah, that, 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 that went kind of from zero to nuts this yep. week. I, I even logged into my Xbox at 1S and took a look at Game Pass this week, and I was like, hey, guess what? Yeah, there's a lot of, I think, 20 new games on there this week which is pretty crazy and they're you know a lot of good games i know that there's even more that they want to add which they're probably in the the throes of existing contracts uh, or existing contractual obligations or lend outs on other services or promotion on other services but you know that this is a huge power move by microsoft and good for them like good on them yeah. Sony's been doing it for for years now. <laughs> yeah, this so, is by far the biggest it's... play in that realm. Outside of Halo, you know, Xbox hasn't really had too many major um, exclusive titles, right? Now they have a bunch. Um, and Phil Spencer yeah. even confirmed that the future of Bethesda games will be exclusive to platforms where Game Pass exists. Essentially means PS5 players will miss out. Um, so, yeah. They had a Bethesda joins Xbox roundtable on March 11th, and Phil Spencer addressed speculation around whether the acquisition will see future Bethesda titles, such as Starfield and Elder Scrolls VI, um, becoming Xbox exclusive. And he's so this was the um, exact quote. If you're an Xbox customer, the thing I want you to know is that this is about delivering great exclusive games for you that ship on platforms where Game Pass exists. That's our goal. That's why we're doing this. That's the root of this partnership that we're building. Yeah. So, again, Microsoft has been battling a very valiant fight here for this past generation and not having many exclusives. Like you say, Halo. Uh, which comes but once as often as Haley's Comet, and um, as well Forza, right? So when 343 isn't sitting there wrecking a game, I guess uh, Playground comes in and makes a good racing game that's exclusive to Xbox. But as we all know, Sony's been owning that exclusive market and basically selling consoles uh, to, a, what, a two-to-one ratio over Xbox worldwide um, based on 
yeah, they're they're exclusive IP, right? And the deals that they make with their vendors and whatnot, and Santa Monica Studios and all this other stuff. So it's good to see again. Competition's good. I think we all win as customers when we see this marketplace exist. There's a big and yeah caveat to all of this. Games under contractual obligations from before the acquisition, such as yeah. Deathloop, will still land on PS5. So there is still hope yep. that you will get Elder, Sc- Elder Scrolls 6 and other major Bethesda games because they were contractually obligated to do so on PlayStation 5. Yeah, and we're going to get to the bottom of all that as time goes on about whether or not Microsoft see any uh, upside in breaking those contracts or, you know, if they can afford to break them or honor them. And I think they'll probably honor them, but it's clear that maybe not this generation, but next generation a lot of those titles and we're not we're not only talking about Bethesda here we're talking about Zenimax the company is owned by Microsoft yep so Zenimax have other studios as well right and that all that content is going to be married to Xbox now exclusively it's it's in a closed relationship so going forward um i think that that's a great place for Xbox to be it is interesting that you put the asterisk there that it's going to be available to where Game Pass is, right? Because Game Pass is evolving. And that's an interesting statement because I can foresee a day, there's a point at which I would have not imagined that Apple TV would be on my Google Chromecast. Yeah, And here I am with Apple TV on my Google Chrome TV, right? And it's on my Xbox and it's on my PlayStation. So I can access all of my Apple shit through regular media, whereas before it used to be locked hard on Apple. I can see Microsoft making that same play and just going, hey, here's our service. Whether you're on a PS5 or you're on an Xbox One X or Series X or you're on whatever, there's a possibility with this streaming. The only thing holding Xbox Cloud, like the cloud gaming back, is the fact that they're running it on old Xboxes. Now, this year, they're starting to roll out the back end in their server lounge to be Xbox Series Xs, which means that we're going to be able to stream at 4K, hopefully. We're going to be able to stream the Xbox Series X games virtually, just like we do Stadia. And when that happens, and Microsoft are basically doing it on Microsoft Edge, which is a Chrome-based browser, which means... Oddly enough, you can now play Stadia on an Xbox Series X because you're firing up Chrome, which is completely compatible with Stadia. So the world is getting to be a very meshy place, or if if not now, soon. This goes back to something that we've been talking about for so long. That is the fact that, you know, going back to what we both just said it's the language being used by Phil Spencer, which I find the most interesting. He doesn't mm-hmm. say an Xbox console. He says anywhere Game Pass is available. Now, there's yep. a couple ways that you can look at this. Number one is the way that you just brought up. It's the fact that you know you can, you can essentially run Game Pass on a Chrome-based browser. Um, you know, we've been talking about the importance of services a lot more. Now, this is why, you know... I 
firmly hold and believe that the future of Xbox hardware is being questioned at Microsoft because, you know, Game Pass, whatever you want to call it, is the future for them. They want to give essentially sell you a box that is media compatible with the browser that you will be able to play video games on. What does that sound like to and you? That, what does that man, sound like to you? Look at it this way, man. You can't get your hands on an Xbox Series X. It's still probably the hardest console to get, right? Like there's there's not as many of them out there as we'd like to think. And the semiconductor uh, hardware is has long been the fall down point on console sales like on consoles overall because the hardware costs a lot more than the software so obviously they take the hit on the hardware whatever they are sony microsoft whoever and they hope to make their and they will make their money back on the software sales and whatnot and now you're talking about games as a service and maybe eliminating the hardware, and you might even worldwide conditions right now might expedite that plan. You might see Microsoft start to already force the issue and just getting, because imagine I'm sitting at home playing my Xbox Series S and I'm able to play a Xbox, or sorry, my, an Xbox One S, and I'm able to play an Xbox Series X game over the cloud with that processing, with that experience. It would be like having a Series X without needing to own one and paying Microsoft to do that. That's a very advantageous place for Microsoft to start to contemplate playing in. That's yep. at least how, as far as I see it, right? Like there was a point at which maybe a couple of years ago we would have all called bullshit on this, but now internet speeds are to the point where it's happening. It, it, it really is happening. It's proven to be a viable market. Yep. Um, more so, you know, if you think about the internet speeds and the fact that Stadia, say what you want about Stadia, they've proved that it is possible that this is somewhere that we can go as gamers. Like I was talking about last week, last week, you know, the possibility of this hybrid type system where you have the possibility of streaming and having a physical games. I can see that being kind of like what the next generation is going to introduce. And the generation after that is where it's all in the cloud. And that's that. Um, you know, yep. I still kind of think that we're going to be, we're going to still see some form of physical hardware for some people, but I think yep. that, you know, they're going to really entice you to go all digital, uh, well, because it's cheaper about, for everyone. Think about the transition that we made from buying music CDs to streaming music as a, as a culture, right? I used to collect thousands of CDs. And now it's just all in the cloud, and I accept it. Video gaming is going there, whether we yep. like it or not. The fact is, is that th- this was one of the big kickers for me with Stadia, and I've never really brought this up on the show before. But I, I had to think about it long and hard, and I had to use examples. But here's the thing. If I buy a game on Steam, I don't fucking own it. Steam yeah. is giving me a license to play it, right? Like, I'm paying... My $69.99 or whatever the price tag is to basically download a virtual game that's enabled through Steam in order for me to use my processing power on this end to play the game. Google Stadia is the exact same thing. Yeah. I'm buying a license. It's just running on their hardware and streaming to me. So digital games, like all the points that people like to make about, oh, Google Stadia, you can't, you know, you don't really own the game and all that. Well, you don't if you play on Steam, which is 90% of you. 
<laughs> the game might reside on your hard drive, but it's unlocked through the internet. Like, yep. DRM. <laughs> so, DRM laws and yeah. DRM rules take over at that point. So I just, it's just, we're already accepting it. That's all I'm saying is it's already in our everyday life. It's it's already there. Like the, the last bastion is actually having the game disc, throwing it in my PS5 while my internet service is out and being able to play a funked down version of the game off the disc. Because yep. obviously the updates might not be there. The 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 connectivity needed to play the game with the full experience. Like it might not even play at all. Yeah, so they've so got me on that. Yeah, so going back to where we're talking about the language that Phil Spencer uses is, to me is the most interesting part about all of this. And it's not so much about it's not so much about Bethesda and, or any company in particular. It's the fact that they are now leaning towards and using terminology and kind of getting us accustomed to Game Pass. Mm-hmm. I hear Game Pass more than I hear Xbox now. Yep. Well, because it's great service. Like honestly, yeah. I've got the ultimate. My PC, as I said, I don't have a GPU. So, like, I can download Among Us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Play that. Um, but as far as, you know, I, I do have the ultimate because I, I do like occasional PC games if I can play them. But it, it's a great service. It honestly is. I know you were excited. Well, you were a little bit shocked this week about the possibility of getting an Xbox Series X. And I you started asking me. I know, and you started asking me, like, so what's up with uh, Game Pass? (laughs) How much is it? Stuff. Because I'm like, you can't, to me, you can't own Xbox Series X or even the last generation, an Xbox One X or One S or whatever. You can't own one of those things and not even think about grabbing Game Pass. Like, even on a three-month, $1 trial, you got it. Once you see it, you're done. You're done, and they know it. It's... It's they're selling drugs on the corner. Like Microsoft, they're sitting there just like, come get your crack games. Like it's, it's once you try it, you're not going to want to get away from it. Look, even with PlayStation streaming service, PS Now, most of their games mm-hmm. are available to stream only. But now a lot of the newer games going into that library, you can download. Um, and for me, it's one of those things that it makes so much sense. Like how many, how much money do you spend a year on older video games? Or you can get everything for 13 bucks a month. Or even, you know, PlayStation Plus, you get the one or two games a month. Like it's worth it. So, you know, all these yeah. add-on services are are where these companies make money. It's always, you know, it's it's the theme of what we talk about on the show where it's everything is going to become service-based. Now, moving on. Um, it is official, Phil. PlayStation 5 is the fastest-selling console in the U.S. history by dollar sales. Um, yeah. But it was the second-best-selling hardware platform in February 2021. You know what was first? Probably Nintendo Switch. Damn right it was. So the MPD Group released its monthly report covering best-selling consoles, video games, and more for February 2021 in the U.S. And the Nintendo Switch leads the charge as the best-selling console for the month. But the PS5 is second. However, the PS5 did overtake a record previously held by the Switch when it became the fastest-selling console in the U.S. after um, the NDP... after the NPD group tracked total dollar sales. So there you go. Yeah. Interesting. Because it costs more. And, and I, I would exactly. I would say that 
that that the PS5 may be tops if they could meet demand. If they could actually get the product on the shelves. Because I'm still seeing lots of updates on my newsfeed where it's like, oh, Best Buy has PS5 sold out. Yep. You know what I mean? Like it, it quite literally is a matter of minutes before either the bots get it or people are, are picking them up. And I'm hoping it's people. I really sincerely do. Um, yeah, it's, it's if Sony had a full inventory to sell, the, uh, the pie in the sky inventory, if they had been building these things for the past eight months, just nonstop out of like gigafactories everywhere, and they could, they could eliminate that, that choke point, I think they might be number one for a little while. Yeah, but Nintendo are always consistent. Like it's everybody I know. If you have kids, you're thinking about getting a Nintendo. I know it's for you, but I know you want to get a Nintendo Switch for the kids because the yep. kids want to play the games, right? Yep. But you do too. Yeah. All right. I don't know how many friends lists I see, and it's the parents playing. <laughs> Same. All right. So earlier this week, we on our It's Canon podcast chat on Messenger. We were all freaking out, laughing, and talking about GameStop because the stonks were <laughs> at it again. So GameStop on Wednesday peaked at $348.50 per share. I don't know what the hell's going on anymore. Yep. Uh, my, However- my comment, my comment in, the, in the chat is exactly it. Nobody's outraged anymore. Which yeah. is amazing to me. It it's completely fallen off of the radar. That one week that it started, man, the MSNBC, everything was like, "Oh my God, what are we going to do? We need the Robin Hood guy on. We need we need Phil Zuckerberg. We need everybody to just come on and just talk about stocks, stocks, stonks, stonks, stonks." And now it's like, uh, "Don't look here, it's still happening." But you know what's interesting, film? I think that this for me was a bigger news because as fast as it went up. Minutes later, <laughs> it dropped to, from three forty-eight fifty to one hundred and seventy-two, and then it rocketed back up to two sixty-five. Like, yeah, it held value that was way higher than I thought it would have. I, when I saw that cliff go, because it was literally Tyler was telling us, and he's on a fifteen-minute-old feed, and I go into the live feed, and I'm like. It's dropping like a freaking stone, guys. Like, and then Tyler goes to the live feed and goes, "Oh shit!" And then it just bounces right back up. So I don't know what the heck's going on. Even me, I'm wearing the conspiracy hat on this because I'm like, did someone just like absolutely tank the market on that? Well, you know, we we heard that trading had stopped on it because it was getting so overvalued. And then obviously the price crashes on that. And what happens at that point? Do a whole bunch of people buy in? When they see it's down to like 170, yeah. they just slam in and then you see the market just bloop, back That's right, exactly right back up. That's exactly what happens. Crazy. So it's soaring, soaring, soaring through hearsay, speculation, and rumors and innuendo. It stops trading because there's too many transactions going on. When it stops trading, it crashes at that crash. That's the perfect time for people to pick it up. So then it soars again. It's crazy when you think that GameStop at the beginning of the year, was worth $17 a share. I just think of how much money I could have made if I was more mercurial and 
in my investments and and I sat there and said, Hey, you know what? I'm going to take two grand and I'm going to pick these duty stocks. (laughs) Do you know how stupid (laughs) me and Tyler feel about all this? You remember in when we were filming our, our 12 days of Christmas, we were talking specifically about game stop shares. Yep. Because yep. they, that's we when they were announcing the new CEO, we were talking about some of the things that this new CEO wanted to implement, and I'm like, you know, this would be a good time to buy shares. Yeah, I know. We were all talking about it. We we all kind of looked at it, and 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 you know, even with AMC and stuff, because we that's been going strong apparently. I haven't looked at that stock specifically, yep. but I've heard that it's doing well. And I'm like, I remember I was talking about the fact that I don't think the company is going to survive past January. And then these Hail Mary, like, stonks came in, and they're, like, able to restructure a whole bunch of debt. And now things are looking up for all this stuff because, hey, the world's happy. The pandemic might be ending soon because they're getting shots in arms, right? And and now we're talking about going back to old life and, and just getting, you know, huge buckets of popcorn and sitting in moist, damp theaters watching movies again. Yeah, so pretty much. It's, it's crazy. And then you just think about what GameStop is evolving to, what the new CEO, the direction that they want to bring this thing into. And there is like there is a, a foundation of legitimate speculation there. It's just, it got memed and, and interfered with. It's yeah. just interesting. I, it'll be interesting to see what happens when the dust settles. No, it's absolutely insane what's happening. Like it's it's so crazy. Um Yeah. Uh we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. So that is GameStop. I think we're gonna start talking about some streaming news. There's a lot of things happening right now in the world of streaming. I think we're gonna pick things up with Netflix and the password sharing and we're going to explain exactly what's going on because it's not as doom and gloom as a lot of people think. Um, the later second half of this week had a lot of people freaking out because everyone seems to be sharing their Netflix accounts. Um, and there was a lot of tweets and articles being written about how this is going to stop, how Netflix is adding kind of a utility and tool to stop people from doing this. So, this is exactly what's going on. You know, how many times have you gone to a friend's house and entered your password into a device of theirs and access your Netflix account at this person's house? Or, how many times have you, with an ex-lover, given them <laughs> your password and then instantly regretted it once that relationship goes tits up? Well, that's when you change your password. <laughs> well, some people forget where their account is, which I, I personally don't understand this. So what Netflix is implementing is a way of making sure that you are an authorized viewer of a person's account. So when you hmm. log on, so let's say we have the It's Canon Netflix account. We don't. We each have our own accounts. But let's just say, in this theoretical world, I own mm-hmm. the It's Canon podcast um, Netflix account, and I give you, Phil, and Tyler a login. Let's say Tyler ends up quitting this show, um, and you know we're not talking anymore because fuck that guy. Um, yeah, he's still using our Netflix account. Uh, he will then, at some point, 
very random, via this tool, get a warning saying, are you an authorized viewer of this account? And it's basically a Q&A where you say yes. And then a code gets sent to me as the main account holder. Mm. And he has to respond to the code through me. So I would text him right. or something um, that, yes, this is the this is the code, you know. So it's kind of a verification that your other account users are authorized users. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. I don't I don't really see a problem with that because I'm 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 pretty tight on my Netflix. Like, I, I don't have it slamming around with X's or anything like that. And to be honest, like your financial information potentially is in there somewhere. I know it's all hashed out and whatnot, but I, I, I just, I've just never seen the fascination with all this account sharing. We're all adults. If you want to, if you want to have the accounts and pay the monthlies and, and make sure that the money goes to the right places, you can do that. If you want to go out and find them on the other places on the internet, find the shows or whatnot, you can do that. Like there's, there's, there's no need to play, half in half out to me but that that's just the cut of my jib so what can yep. i say exactly I, I i think that it's a it's a smart smart move by netflix and i i can see disney and everybody else following behind it like they have the profiles so you can legitimize the different stuff it used to drive me nuts because i had friends that would borrow my netflix sure once in a while i'd do it for them because they really needed to watch a show when they're a close friend like it really is they're a close close friend and then like i it was before profiles or whatever device they had didn't support profiles and i'm like logging into my netflix and it's all like like ballerina stuff and and kissy kissy drama and stuff and i'm like what the fuck is going on and then i'm calling my friend and i'm like i'm changing my netflix password right now because i don't know what you're watching but this is some weird crap <laughs> and my feed is messed up i was mad at him for a while because i'm like everything was the princess diaries and crap like that that's not the way i roll on my netflix yep and it's kind of weird single guy <laughs> yeah and that pops exactly. up exactly yeah it. it's just not content i want but you know i look at my dad's netflix because he has a, he he's a, one of my subscribers or one of my licensees, and all he watches is war movies. <laughs> like, yeah. it's hilarious it. to me. I'm like, how did you find this on Netflix? Well, I moved the the controller, but he's 82, so <laughs> love it. All right, so that is Netflix. Let's talk about sh other streaming services and what's going on um, and kind of like how important these deals are um, because it's all about content and the content race right now, as we see with Disney and other people. So the NHL is returning to ESPN. So starting in the 2021-2022 season, the NHL is back on ESPN. This is the first time that the NHL is going to be on ESPN since 2004. It was announced that they signed wow. a seven-year deal earlier this week. Um, and the package includes 25 regular season games on ESPN or ABC early round playoff series and one conference final series each year and four Stanley Cup final games on ABC. Uh, it will also include more than a thousand games per season streaming on 
ESPN Plus, Hulu, and ES and um, other Disney-owned streaming services. This deal also has international rights. So, international international rights in Latin America, Caribbean, and parts of Europe are also part of the mm. deal for ESPN's digital platform. So, this is huge in terms of the streaming world. So, ESPN Plus, Hulu, um, you know, where they're going to be getting a lot more content, um, and it just could show you kind of like what what is um, what they're negotiating for. Uh, yeah. A real stepping stone of this deal was the deal that Rogers and the NHL signed up here in Canada because here in Canada, it's an exclusive deal. Rogers yeah. is the exclusive home of the NHL, and this was built so that they can get and monetize that streaming service of theirs so you know rogers put a lot of money into the nhl whatever it was called um open ice i think it was called at first or something and then they rebranded it a couple times now it's uh, they have the sportsnet channels the sportsnet now so you know this is all about streaming games because you want the out-of-market games all people always want to see kind of their hometown team their favorite team and oftentimes it's hard to catch those games so streaming is the only way that you can do this so this is why these deals are so important now of note is that in the states like i mentioned earlier this is not an exclusive deal so the nhl is still talking to comcast slash nbc mm. for additional games Fair enough. That, that's that's good for the NHL. I got to say, it was it was kind of funny last night when I was messing around with that Xbox Game Pass. I happened to notice that EA made a remake of NHL '94. Yeah, I downloaded that, and it, I was having a blast playing that. And I downloaded the new one, and I was just thinking to myself, well, this sport is legitimately a lot of fun, and it's good to see that it's getting its shot there. I hope the MLS follows suit. And some of these fringe sports in these markets start upping their profile and getting into more eyeballs, more homes. You know, it seems like MLS has signed on with uh, DAZN, which, is, which isn't a bad thing. That's a here great service, too. Here in Canada. Yeah, here in Canada. Yeah, I think it's directly with Amazon in the States, or maybe that's uh, I think primarily. it's um, ESPN Plus. Because uh, remember, MLS yeah. used to have their, their app, whatever it was called. Yep. Um, yeah, I remember call that. Yeah, and it was so, weird. Yeah, <laughs> but it, 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 yeah, it, it served its purpose, right? You could watch yeah, games it, from around it, the it league. Yeah, it did all right. All right, so mm -hmm. this is the week that, speaking of Peacock and NBC, this is the week that WWE Network moves its services from WWE-owned app to Peacock. So on March 17th, Peacock WWE Network goes live. Next week is the Fastlane pay-per-view. And the reason why we're bringing this up is because, you know, if you do have a WWE Network in the United States, you will not be automatically transferred over. You have to create a Peacock subscription. And on April 4th, your WWE Network goes dark. Now, wow. Yeah, wow, 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 let's all get angry. Here's the thing about this, and something that a lot of people don't realize, there's a lot of legality around moving someone's account from one owner to another. Yeah. You know, there's also yeah. the database. We don't know what information. There's legality and privacy around your your payments and stuff like that. Hey, 
The terms of service that you signed under WWE and their exclusive network might be completely incompatible with Peacock's. Yep. So be sure to read those things as well, because maybe Peacock wants more access. Maybe it wants less. Maybe it doesn't want the exposure of moving that account. There's all kinds of reasons, and it's not that inconvenient to go and sign up for it. 45 seconds. Like, honestly, yeah, it, it's it's like, here's my name, here's my email, here's possibly another way to get a hold of me. Oh, and here's my payment information if it's going to be chargeable. Yep. Yep. And now, in terms of what is moving over, eventually by the summer, they say by SummerSlam, which is typically mid to late August, the entire 18,000 hours of content is going to be available. But on <laughs> day one, which is March 18th, sorry, not the 17th, March 18th, you will get access on Peacock to every pay-per-view event in the last calendar year. Episodes of NXT, the day after TV broadcast. Episodes of Raw and SmackDown, 30 days after TV broadcast. Recent episodes of Steve Austin's Broken Skull Sessions, as well as WWE Chronicle and WWE Icons, which are fantastic documentaries. You're also going to get select special documentaries, including Undertaker, The Last Ride, and episodes of WWE 24 and WWE Untold, and you're also going to get every past WrestleMania. So, I know a lot of people <laughs> loved the WWE Network because of the classic, you know, you get to watch old AWA, you get to watch Croc, some of the, sorry, not Crockett, but some of the older shows, uh, Mid-South, uh, Mid-Atlantic, Atlantic, et cetera, et cetera. Those will eventually be moving their way to Peacock, throughout the year um but again you know transferring this stuff isn't as easy as people think um there's also a lot of rumor and innuendo that peacock might be not adding some stuff because it is deemed not suitable for today's day and age because mm. you know there have been times in the attitude era back in 97 98 99 where they did blackface and stuff like that so yeah 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 yeah, stuff doesn't age well, that's for yep. sure. So, this is only important if you live in the U.S. of A, because here in Canada, to get the WWE Network, you have to go through Rogers. So, this is only important for our American listeners. But, again, I wanted to kind of talk about this because, you know, the streaming service stuff is becoming super uber important. Um, it's the future. Like, we're seeing it now. Yeah, there's too many, but... Here we are, mm -hmm. right? And and, and we're seeing the, what the worth is because apparently Comcast paid WWE $1 billion for this five-year deal. $1 billion? $1 billion. Man, oh, man. Someone get the sharks with the laser beams on their head. That's right. crazy. But, yeah, well, it, it seems crazy and it doesn't. Uh, it would have been, I guess, a little more... If he would have told me $10 billion, I would have bought that too. I would have been like, hey, yeah, I can see WWE selling that. But yep. $1 billion, hey, better than no billions. Yep. It's Both. it's just crazy. Something's got to fail here. Like, I'm sorry, but the arms race of, of the streaming services, it has to freaking de-escalate at some point because it's too much, man. Too much. If you have, like, certain types of fucking gas, there's probably a streaming service for you. It's unbelievable how many streaming services there are and how many hooks and 
and and everything that's in it. Like I'm hearing now that HBO Max is talking about the fact that they they're going to do a reduced version with ads to get more people on onto their platform. And it it's just it's just a crazy crazy world with how many options. And we're not even in the states here in Canada, as you point out. Our stuff is more channeled and a little more direct. But in the states, you know, there's Peacock, there's Hulu, there's there's Disney Plus, there's all these things competing against one another and even having similar owners in some cases. It, it's a lot of battling for your for your monthly fee and a lot of hope that you're going to forget you're paying for it. And yep. I, I, I can see, honestly, streaming services, when you put them into totality, cost way more than your old cable subscription used to. Of course, of course it does. People don't realize, before when it was just Hulu and just Netflix, it was worth it. Um, but as these contracts ran out and exclusivity became the name of the game, you know, it's just becoming so much, you know, five bucks here, 10 bucks there, 15 bucks there. It all adds up, you know, off the top of my head, yeah. I can probably name 10 unique streaming services in the States. It's crazy. Having and then you have the that, music. Like, yeah, it's yeah. crazy. And then having said that, Peacock in 2020 lost $914 million. Well, that was a big gamble, and they knew they were probably going to lose money off the top anyway. Like, to, to go and dedicate yourselves, like, Disney made no bones about it when they launched Disney+. Plus. They were like, we are just going to absolutely get clobbered on the financials for an amount of time because we're taking away the vaults. We're doing all this, all these moves that have been traditionally huge support, like financial supports for us. And I think they, you know, thought, hey, well, we'll go into the theme parks and all that stuff. We'll continue to keep us afloat. Pandemic hits, right? So yeah. then they had to accelerate all of that plan. And I think Peacock is doing the same. You know, their acquisition of WWE might be a little bit ahead of time for maybe something that they were debating, uh, you know, even 24 months ago. And because of the changes in the world, they're like, we strike while the iron's hot. We got to get the money out the door. We're going to spend a billion bucks and we're already losing 900 million. But just think about the capital outlay just to get eyeballs and exclusivity, right? Well, just to get thing. that back catalog. Yeah. Like, you know, the fact that NBC is going to be synonymous with WWE in the sense of they are the exclusive streaming home. It's huge <laughs> for them, right? WWE is a huge brand. Um, personally, I can see NBC buying WWE in the future, but we'll we'll wait for that one. But here's yeah. the thing: Variety reported that NBC Universal gained 118 million dollars off of Peacock already in 2020. However. Last year, the company spent $989 million in what is termed eliminations. These are payments from within the company for Peacock to license movies and shows from other divisions. So it's all, you know, just moving money around. Yeah. Um, it was also reported that the service hit 33 million signups. Although it is not known how many of these were paid subscribers uh, versus non-paid because they do yeah. have tiers. Now, by comparison... Netflix recently surpassed 200 million accounts, while Disney Plus earlier this week announced that they have hit 100 million subscribers. Yep, Disney are really killing it. And 
I think they're ahead of their own projections on that, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I, I know that when they released the 90 million mark back at uh, uh, just before the beginning, uh, just before the end of the year, at that, that call that they did, I believe that they said that they were ahead of, of plan on that yep. number. So it's changing their financial outlooks because I think the original plan was Disney Plus wouldn't really be super profitable for the company for three to four years. And now we're looking at like year two, it could turn that corner yep. for the company and become a pillar, and which love- is what it needs to do, right? Like, Yeah. And I love the yeah. war of world, the war, war of words that's starting to happen between AT&T and Disney. Uh, so Jason Kellar claimed that HBO Max has surpassed Disney Plus in revenue generation, powered by a growing subscriber base, a higher base cost, and Warner Brothers' strategy of bringing all of their 2021 theatrical releases to the streaming platform. So you're starting to really see AT&T slash Warner Brothers and Disney go at it. So it's it's good. You know what? At the end of the day, as bad as it is for content and content intake, it's good because the content that is out there is going to get better. Hopefully. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a challenge in terms of Warner Brothers as, or HBO Max has adopted this uh, straight to screen and, and, and TV at the same time or service at the same time. Um, obviously, Disney are taking a different format with it, with a premier access and whatnot at a lower buy-in monthly, but a one-time fee for each movie to get that access to it ahead of time or at the same time that it's screening. It's fun to see. I, I'm I'm not giving them any extra money as long as I can, and we can't even get HBO Max up here. I don't even know what I'm going to do for the Snyder Cut right now. I'm hoping it lands on a, a friend's plex or something like that because... Um, like, geez, man, like it's so crazy out there. It's coming on it's Crave. It's so crazy. But like, not HBO Crave. Crave Crave. Oh, Crave Crave? Really? I've Crave, got Crave. Crave Crave, but I don't yeah. have HBO Crave. It's no. It's not... <laughs> so I can watch it. Yeah. All right. So for our listeners who don't know, you have Crave TV here, but Crave TV has a bunch of channels that you can subscribe to. It has stars with a Z. Not the same stars that Disney has, different stars, stars with a Z. They also have <laughs> HBO. They also have some other stuff there um so the base cost of crave is 10 bucks then you add another 10 bucks for hbo then you add another five bucks for stars with a Z, um and it just becomes crazy at the end of the day god yep so you can pay up to 30 bucks for your crave account if you want everything yeah i was on the 20 and then they they knocked me off the 20 they said no we'll take it all away and they gave me crave for free so, so it's yeah. kind of this weird spot. But I was like all excited and then I go to access my HBO Crave and it's like none of that's there. I'm like, okay, this free service is now a little bit of a skunk. It's all right. It's I'm it's not right. complaining. There's yeah. It's okay. It, it's but the HBO I, yeah, it stuff a that really makes like, Crave worthwhile in my opinion. Um yeah. yeah. But yeah, Snyder Cut is apparently gonna come on Crave Crave. Good. Well then, you know, I'm looking. I'm really looking forward to to this because it will be an event. It, yeah. it, love it or hate it, I don't know, but it will be an event. Yep, we're gonna for sure be <laughs> talking about it next week in some shape or form. You know what I'm looking forward to? What Kong versus Godzilla? Oh yeah, 
Oh yeah, like Pacific Rim the Black just put me in the hole. Let's get monsters on the screen like, fighting shit. Like You're all in the kaiju I, right now, right? I'm all uh, I'm all up in the kaiju right now. I'm telling it. you. It all is right. it is. I just love those big robots and big monsters, man. Yep. Same here. It's a lot of fun. Like it's just mindless entertainment for me. And that's why I like it. Oh yeah. It, all right. it check it out, man. It's fun. I'm, so Phil and listeners, you can send us all your feedback. Please send us feedback. Positive, negative. We want to hear from you, and Phil can tell you how. Yep, I can. Will I? I guess so. That's part of my job here. So <laughs> you can find us on the internet at www.itscanonpodcast.com. You can track us down on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at It's Canon Podcast. You can email us at show at itscanonpodcast.com. You can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. Anywhere you find podcasts, you're going to find the It's Canon Podcast. And, uh, yeah, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe. And um, if if you're able to, we would really like uh, for you to give us a rate and review. If uh, the platform supports that, it, it helps us greatly, and uh, we like to get the feedback. Exactly. Thanks so much for that, Phil. <sighs> What a week. We went through a lot. Yeah, that was that was uh that was fast paced. I'm tired. Alright, so hopefully we will have Tyler back next week. Hopefully his computer's okay. Hopefully he's okay. But we're gonna hopefully we can have Tyler back next week. So it'll be a party of three rather than this party of two. We are the well, we, we did have Brad on this week. That was a sausage party. <laughs> yes. It was. Um, and then, oh yeah, I guess I should say that this week we do have a midweek episode. And it's just a, a boring old interview with myself and Jamila Barbar where we talk about life, millennials, Generation Z, and whatnot. It's, gonna, it's a very interesting nice. and different talk. But, you know, that's what we do here because we are the It's Canon Podcast the podcast where we talk about all things pop culture, the podcast where we talk about all things movies, TVs, books, comic books, video games, toys, Legos, Muppets, streaming services, wrestling, sports, anything and everything where your go-to place for pop culture. And Phil, do you know what the best part of it all is? Um, It's all in canon. He's Phil. I'm Boris. It's the It's Canon Podcast. Good night.